Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Welcome to season three of Concerts That Made Us. On this episode, I'm chatting with Joe Mansman from Joe Mansman and the Midnight Revival Band. We chat about their brilliant latest release, Take It Easy, the history of the band, concert experiences, and their future plans. So, Without further ado, let's get on with the show.
Yo, Mansman, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thanks so much for having me. Cool show. Heard a lot about it. Thanks, thanks. So we opened the show with your latest release, Take It Easy. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, uh, so uh, Take It Easy is uh, our newest release. It came out on uh, June 20th. Um, we, uh, we, shot it, we shot the video for it um, about an hour north of where we live in upstate New York in the mountains of Whitehall, New York. And uh, uh, the song is, uh, is about, it's, it's got a lot, of un, you know, a lot of layers to it. Uh, you know, when I originally wrote the song, it was about my failed marriage uh, of seven years. But then um, the meaning of the song uh, kind of changed a lot uh, the more that we played it and the more things that happened to our band, you know, throughout the past year kind of became one of those songs that just to all of us meant just in general, just saying goodbye to, to a lot of things in our lives, saying goodbye to, you know, <clears throat> uh, loved ones, saying goodbye to lovers, friends, ex-bandmates, all that stuff. So but yeah, um, it's currently out there streaming right now. It's on Spotify and Apple Music and pretty much all the, the streaming platforms that people are using these days. And um, yeah, it's, it's the first release that we've put out in uh, over a year. So we, when we launched it, it was about uh, almost a year to the date of our last single. So, Jeez. And uh, how is the reception being? Are people really soaking it up? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been doing better for us than uh, than anything that we have released prior. Now we've been a band since 2014, and uh, we've got five uh, you know five records out there, and uh, you know we we've gotten you know throughout the years we've gotten a couple of uh, pretty lucrative deals with sync licensing and things like that, but um, you know nothing's taken off for us as quickly as Take It Easy has. Uh, you know, within just a couple of days of it being out there, the response was unbelievable, and you know now we're you know, uh, the song is uh, making its way to major rock radio. That's a first for us. Um, yeah. So it's almost one, like one of those things where, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's becoming a success that was unexpected. You know, a lot of bands have stories like that where, you know, they, they put something out without having high hopes for it. And uh, for us, it's uh, just a pleasant surprise. So we're just riding the wave. I tend to notice things like that in life, though. If you think it's going to do brilliantly it won't and it's always the thing that you're like okay it'll, it'll do okay that's the one that'll take off and people will absolutely love always yeah that's that's always the the big thing in in, in rock music history right yeah yeah uh, exactly you always, you always have those bands that talk about how like oh this song you know wasn't gonna make the album cut I'm glad we put it on <laughs> because that song ended up selling 80 million records you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> So yeah, no, I mean we're we're happy we're very happy about it. It's uh, it's nice to see um, you know um, us kind of living out there in the digital world and and people noticing. You know, I mean we've we've been putting out records for a long time, and uh, you know uh, we we play a lot. So uh, this has been one of those songs where you know, even before we uh, recorded it, we had been playing it live for a couple of months, and it was uh, it became like the showstopper for us. It was. It was the song that, uh, you know, when we're playing in cities and clubs where nobody's ever heard of our band, um, you know, if, if, if we are reduced to background music at some point as like an opening band, um, it's that song that has uh, always made the room stop and listen and, and find out more about us. I actually got so many messages in my inbox recently of people um, saying like, hey, like, you know, when I heard you played this song last year, I really loved it. And I, and I tried finding it, but I couldn't. So I, I, I had assumed it was brand new. 
Um, so yeah, that's the, the, the feedback that we've been getting on this. So it's, 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 it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. I'm not a bit surprised though. It's a, it's a great song. It's kind of, it's up there with some of the greatest ballads from the eighties, I think, but there's kind of a, I don't know how you did it. It's like an eighties ballad, but with a modern sort of feel to it. If you get me. Yeah. It's kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of got that new wave glam rock. Uh, feel to it you know we've been really into uh introducing 80s elements into our music for the past three years now um we never dove into it as hard as we're diving in uh to it now with uh the new material that we've been recording but um this one definitely takes the cake for having hitting all the markers (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah definitely definitely so i'd love to give the listeners a, a sense of your history would there be a seminal moment in your life you could point to that made you want to be a musician yeah. Uh, so when I was um, when I was a kid, um, I was an army brat. My uh, my father uh, was an American soldier uh, stationed in Germany. It's where he met my mom. You know, I'm the youngest of six kids. Uh, we were always moving around a lot. And um, my brother, Mike, uh, he uh, when he came of age, you know, he was he was about to move out of the house and he gave me his tape collection and they were all mixtapes for the most part, except for one, you know, it was, it was a stone temple pilots mixtape that he had given me. And uh, I was only about 11 years old, maybe. And that's all I did was I listened to these tapes over and over and over. And I discovered so much cool music. I mean, like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and garbage, Elastica, you know, red hot chili peppers. I just really became so enamored by this. And I, uh, you know, it, it took up, uh, all of my time, you know, it, it influenced everything that I did. You know, I, I couldn't wait to, uh, you know, when we finally moved to the States um, and I went to high school and all that stuff, I, I just couldn't wait to finish school and not go to college because I wanted to pursue being a musician. Yeah. You know, all of my friends went on to have pretty successful careers in whatever fields that they chose to study in. But I was the guy that, uh, you know, as soon as I got out of high school, I went on tour. <laughs> so um, I learned... Yeah. When I was 16, you know, I learned how to play, uh, you know, the bass guitar and I, uh, I dabbled in, in guitar and, and, uh, keys and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, and ever since I started playing my first couple of notes, I, I started writing music, you know, I, I never really got into the, uh, the world of learning covers and doing bar gigs until, you know, until I was in my, you know, thirties is when I started playing some covers in bars and things like that. But, you know, I never cared for it. As soon as I learned four notes on a guitar, I started writing my own songs. Ah, yeah, yeah. I have to say, though, how did your parents feel about that? You know, I can't imagine too many parents would be fully supportive of their 16-year-old taking off on the road. Well, I, <laughs> I wasn't 16 when I went on tour for the first time. I was 19. But, ah. uh, <laughs> but um, my... Uh, you know, I, I've been out of the house, though, since I was 16 years old, uh, you know, um, without diving too much into a lot of like my, my family history, per se. Um, I just uh, after high school, I pretty much just moved out, got my own place. And uh, and I've been pursuing music full time, like since then. Actually, uh, my brother, Alex, who's uh, one of my guitar players currently, you know, he uh, he got into that stuff with me very early on and he started learning guitar. Um being influenced by what I was doing, uh, you know, he would, he would tag along to my shows and 
he was always there watching me play and he was there when I was writing songs and, you know, he was with me the first time I ever recorded in a studio. And, um, you know, so, so he was there pretty much for the whole journey. He went on, we, he went with me on my first tour. Um, you know, it, nothing but, you know, terrible, terrible gigs. That's just kind of what, <laughs> you know, we're still doing a lot of that, you know, I mean, we're still cutting our teeth, uh, you know, playing, you know, night after night to rooms of nobody sometimes, but that's just, that's the name of the game. You have, if you, if you're not doing it for, uh, you know, uh, the passion or, you know, just the love of the game, then what are you doing it for? Cause no, nobody's yeah. making money. That's <laughs> Show it. me where the money is. Great none to be made. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a great saying I heard one time, there's no money in rock music. And I think it's very oh. true. Certainly not since Aerosmith was at the height of their career. <laughs> yeah yeah true true i was just watching an aerosmith documentary that's why i named that band <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah i think the days of rock stars becoming multi multi-millionaires could be dying out you know yeah i mean labels you know do people really need labels anymore these days that's, you know that's been a question now for the past what 10 15 years i don't think so because i think that bands have become uh, smarter and technology has certainly advanced to the point where bands can do a lot of things on their own and become just as successful, you know, yeah. if not more. Yeah. So exactly. You know, if anything labels kind of, um, you know, even, I don't, I don't even know if they even front money anymore for things. I think they just look for bands that are pretty established already on their own in order to make an investment in their brand. You know, I, I'm not sure if labels even sign bands anymore for, you know, five, six album contracts. I don't think that exists anymore. I haven't heard of it in a long, long time anyway. Yeah, it's very different. Very different. So what steps did you take then to put this band together? So I was um, I was playing in a lot of bands in my 20s uh, and I was I was in a band for four years that I was pretty convinced was, was going to take off. I, I played in a prog rock band called Cosmonauts and um, we did a, a lot. Like it was that band that kind of introduced me to like the serious world of pursuing music. You know um, that's when I was really playing like the big cities uh, all the time and, um, and seeing things uh, take off and, as you know, as that band was kind of hitting its peak, you know, we were about to sign to uh, a label called Victory Records, and it never happened. We were in talks for a couple of weeks, but it never ended up happening because the image of the band couldn't be branded. You know, right. that's the right use for it. Yeah, um, the music I was told was excellent, but um, the, the the band's package wasn't working out for them as a whole, and. Uh, I don't know. Like I'd worked so hard in that band trying to get that uh, to that point. And um, that was kind of the end of it for me. You know, nothing was the same for me after that. And right after that band ended, cause you know, some of the members had, uh, you know, they were disappointed too. So some of them at that point just kind of gave up on it and started thinking about college. And I was the only one in the band who wanted to keep going with something musically. Yeah. Um, and my, my brother and I, um, we, we started writing songs for what would eventually become the Midnight Revival Band. And uh, we, we, we recorded a lot of demos. Eventually we recruited our keys player, Chris, who we knew um, from some other bands in our music scene that we had, you know, we had played shows with a ton in the past. And 
Chris, uh, Chris heard the demos and jumped on board right away. And it, we were a trio for almost a whole year. Jeez. And we were just playing a couple of cafes here, a couple of clubs here. It wasn't anything, you know, that serious. But the, the year after that, we, we put together a real EP. Um, we had uh, a bass player now. Uh, you know, I, I was actually playing bass for the band initially, but decided that it was probably best for me to kind of just uh, retire to just a singer role. And uh, um, we found a bass player, found a drummer, and that's when things took off. You know, we uh, we had management for a little while and uh, a couple of deals came across the table that didn't pan out. Like, you know, we had something where like, uh, you know, a, one of our songs was going to be on the Walking Dead soundtrack. And uh, that ended up not happening because our manager, like, had like a drug relapse or something. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we went through bullshit after bullshit, um, you know, but we, we just kept, we kept recording. We kept playing as much as we could, kept putting out more music. And um, the band hasn't really, uh, I, I would say the band hasn't truly come into its own until maybe three or four years ago. And that's when the band was averaging almost a hundred shows a year. And we were putting out record after record. Our songs were landing spots and video game placements, you know, TV shows, commercials, things like that. Um, and that's when things for the band really started taking off. Uh, in late last year, we lost our drummer and our bass player who had been in the band for, you know, about three years or so. And the band, this was actually uh, right before we recorded Take It Easy. And then uh, the band played its last show with Dokken um, uh, to a sold out crowd in Poughkeepsie, New York. And it was right after that, we went on a six month uh, hiatus from playing live. And we used that time to, um, you know, solidify our current lineup and uh, start getting new recordings together. So since about January, we've been in the studio working on a record, still undecided uh, as to how we want to release it. We're not sure if we want to do it in an EP format, single format, album format. Most likely we're kind of leaning more towards the full length um, idea, but uh Take it easy is the for single off of what will be our next record. So this is the year that's gonna like you know I think is gonna make a big uh, mark for us. So yeah, yeah, a big splash, definitely, definitely. It sounds like it anyway. You mentioned something there a couple of times. Actually, I'd love to get your opinion on. Numerous times you said the setbacks are getting told. You know, it wasn't going to happen. How do you, as a musician, deal with that and overcome it? Well, it certainly gets depressing. <laughs> I'd imagine so. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, you just rise above it, man, and just uh, you know chug on. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a punk rocker at heart. You know, I I've lived in the you know DIY till you die uh, <laughs> mentality. Um, I don't know, man. You know, like when I face setbacks, I just I I am very self aware of you know kind of what you know what we fail at and, and what we succeed at, and I I find a way to work around it and you know, try to, you know, elevate what we're good at, you know, instead of like harboring, you know, bitterness of, of the things that could have, could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the setbacks that we face, I can't imagine, you know, every band out there doesn't face constantly, you know, member changes and, you know, record deals that fall through tours that fall through, you know, we're not a band that's ever really f- toured full time. You know, we, everything's been part-time for us. 
uh, you know, we all, we all still work jobs and everything too, but you know, we, we still pursue it with the idea in mind that we want to do this full time yeah. and that hopefully we will be, that's kind of like, you know, that's, that's just one thing that keeps us going is, is holding out for, Hey, you know what? Like, okay, we failed at this, but Hey, we, at least we know what we did and we can work on this and be better at it. So you know, one of the things that uh, we, we really honed in on uh, the past couple of months after we, like I told you, we had that six month live hiatus as we really honed in on our live performance. You know, we, we've always been the band that's been known for having uh, a crazy stage show. I mean, you know, we can be pretty uh, erratic on stage sometimes. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I play in a band with two wild guitar players that are insanely talented. You know, my drummer is an animal <laughs> you know, my, my bass player and keys player. I mean, th- this is the thing I, I'm, I'm very blessed to be in a lineup of really, really talented musicians. So, you know, we, we're taking advantage of that now and we're really, we're, we're introducing like a new live setup, you know, and a, and a new live performance that I think, you know, is going to be foundation for that next level for us, you know, the next step. Jeez. It, uh, I was going to ask what can the listeners expect when they see you live for any of them that hasn't seen you, but geez, that sounds like the perfect show. You know what you just described sounds like it would be absolutely heaven. Yeah. We're, we're really, really passionate. You know, I I've always, uh, as a singer, I've always, uh, I've always believed that, um, uh, nobody's going to, nobody's going to buy it unless you sing it. Like you believe it, you know, Um, when I, when I'm, when I'm singing on stage, I just, I feel like something, I don't know, something just comes over me sometimes. And, you know, if anything, it it feels like you're like in like the baptism of Joe Mansman now or something, (laughs) I don't know, but something just comes over me and I just, I can't help, but just, you know, give it everything I got, you know, just leave, Mm. leave it there on stage. You know, I mean, everything from just, you know, beer bottles flying, you know, yeah. <laughs> spitting beer everywhere, you know, walking on people's bars, climbing on people's <laughs> shit. I mean, it's just, it's, it is what it is. Um, you know, I mean, we're older now, so I mean, it's, it's gotten a little tamer, but you know, never say never. So, yeah. but our, yeah. our shows have, have always been known for that. I mean, there's plenty of places that wouldn't book us. I mean, after seeing like, I mean, the kind of uh, shady crowds and stuff that we draw. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> it's all it's all good fun. It's all rock and roll, right? Hey, rock and roll is meant to be dangerous, you know. Exactly. And that's if I can tell any like, you know, any of my peers that sometimes it's, you know, don't don't puss out on it when it comes to playing rock and roll music. It's always been sleazy. It's yeah. always been dangerous. You know, rock and roll is supposed to be the kind of music that parents don't let their kids go to. That's it. So, that's it. Exactly. You know, I mean, my heroes were ban- I mean, bands like Guns and Roses and Motley Crue. I mean, like that's the kind of stuff that like, Hey, you know, maybe your parents shouldn't let you be here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's it. Know. Exactly. Exactly. It's funny. You mentioned uh, guns and roses. I actually seen them in concert there at the end of June. It, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. They were on my bucket list for years. I'd never seen them. And even though, you know, there's lots of people saying it wasn't great. 
his voice isn't at all what it used to be. But for me, it's like mm. you can overlook that. It's Guns and Roses. You're getting the chance to it's see. Guns and Roses, man. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, when, uh, yeah, it's 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 Guns and Roses. They're an icon. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who cares if they're not at, yeah, at the top of their game anymore? You're seeing fucking Guns and Roses, bro. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. that's one band that one or two members should probably be dead since the eighties, but they're not. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, last summer we played a date with Warrant, and um, you know, Warrant was always a massive, massive, uh, you know, uh, influence on on our bands. Uh, you know, one of our guitar players, you know, like learned how to solo listening to Warrant. You know, but <laughs> we ended up we ended up playing a date with those guys, and you know, that whole lineup, with the exception of like one guy, um, is different. They weren't, you know, I can say this now, it's been a year, so who gives a shit? Like, they weren't as good as they were, I mean, mm. in the early 90s, but we're playing with fucking Warren. Exactly. So, who gives a shit? They were made. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it, exactly. Yeah, so, as a concert goer, then, what would you say are some concerts that has made you? Uh, well, I told this story the other day, too. Um, you know, when I saw the Chili Peppers for the first time, I was maybe... 14 years old. I saw Stone Temple Pilots on that same bill. Um, just really, really just enamored by the, the glitz and glamour of the whole thing and the costumes and the gimmicks. Like, I mean, that was what a rock and roll show for me was, you yeah. know, and um, I've seen Bon Jovi a couple of times uh, that, you know, had an influence on me as an early teenager, you know, because that was like the first band that I had seen that, you know, at least when I was a kid was considered like iconic. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but as I became, uh, you know, like a, as I was in my late teens, early twenties, uh, you know, I, uh, lived heavily in like the, the underground punk rock music scene. And, uh, I saw a band called, uh, Anne Berlin and further seems forever. And that was the first time I had been to a punk show that was just wild. Bands <laughs> nobody had ever heard of. I mean, um, people stage diving, people lighting up doobies in the place. And like, that's the first time I saw something like that. And that had a big influence on me going to places like Warp Tour and Taste of Chaos and stuff like that. You know, um, all those things like really uh, like hit home to me and, and made me want to, you know, develop my sound, develop my band, develop my brand. So, yeah, geez, it's, it actually sounds like you'd, probably go to the exact same concerts i would <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah definitely definitely um, i i grew up on like uh you know this uh the seattle grunge stuff mm. that was really what i really what i loved when i was in, when i was in high school after high school yeah i was definitely more into the um you know fueled by ramen records stuff and epitaph records and um you know bands like taking back sunday and you know when the the whole um the hardcore and punk rock movement, uh, you know, Fugazi, I liked Fugazi for a while, not so much anymore, but uh, Misfits, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's when I really saw, like, you know, bands like sweating and puking and things like that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, this, this is where yeah. it's at. This is rock and roll. That's what I want to do. <laughs> so when you guys, we'll talk about your gigs for a minute then. What would you say has been the best concert experience you've had as a performer as a performer um 
I've played a lot of shows and for the most part, I'm pretty good at remembering a lot of them. Like I'm like the band historian. <laughs> um, but if I were to uh, narrow it all down, my, my favorite show that I have ever played was actually uh, back in December with Dokken. We, um, you know, typically, um, you know, if we are a band um, on a bill, with somebody that's that huge. And I mean, we've played with like Scott Stapp, we've played with Warren, we've played with Smash Mouth, you know, like Bryce, uh, I mean, Jackal, Jackal was a cool one. But um, the show with Dokken was interesting because uh, I felt like as the opening band, um, we weren't overlooked. Um, from the moment that we were on stage, um, the line was so long. I mean, it was taking people hours to get into this place. and. This was at the you know height of COVID still, and uh, this place. I mean, they were just letting everybody in, man. I mean, it must have been fourteen, fifteen hundred people in this tiny club, <laughs> to the point where we actually had to tear down our merch, uh, our merch booth because to make more standing room for people, and Jeez. even the back doors to get out of the venue were uh, you you couldn't get out of because now there were so many people that they're even like side stage, backstage, <laughs> like we had to carry all of our stuff directly out of the front door. Because we just we couldn't we could not get out, but I mean it was it was a thrill, man. And uh, you know we we had a thirty minute set, and actually that was uh, we actually we never closed with "Take It Easy," but that was the first show where we closed with that song. And like I told you before, we're like that was like the showstopper for us always. Yeah. At that show, it really was the showstopper. I mean, uh, I remember when we dove into that song, uh, I was trying to like get out into the crowd, and I was standing on. Uh, like one of the balconies, um, like right above the crowd and just kind of hanging from it. And, uh, and I felt like, I felt truly for the first time as a no name band, I felt like every eye was on me that day. You know, it, it was, it was really cool knowing that, uh, we were an opening band for Dokken who probably made like an impact that was, uh, just as important. At least that's what it felt like to me. And I'm not trying to say that arrogantly, I just that that's it felt like it felt like we were important that night. Yeah, I can see why it's definitely one of the best. Then we'll uh, we'll flip it around, not to get too negative now, but what would you say is the worst experience at a gig you've had? Uh, what? Don't <laughs> uh, I played uh, a show in the middle of winter, um, February, in Connecticut, in a club. I'm not even going to name the club in case anybody listens to this. <laughs> I, I played a show in a club during a, during a bad snowstorm. Um, and uh, it was, we were the opening band on a bill with uh, just all metal bands. And when I say metal, I mean, it was like metal to the core. Like there were bands wearing gas masks and shit. And like, <laughs> you know, uh, like it was crazy. But um, we, uh, it was, it was just set up so poorly. Like from the moment we got there, the promoter was on his way out and he was, you know, he, he, he was demanding of me to pr provide one of my guys to be the door guy. And, uh, nice. you know, when we, couldn't yeah, we couldn't provide that. I mean, uh, so that, th that didn't go over well. So we weren't getting paid because there was nobody there to collect money at the door. Oh, we man. had driven five hours to get there. Um, then there were no stage lights. There were just two light switches on the side of the wall that they felt like they had to educate me on how to, turn on, on a light, turn a light switch on and off. Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, we ended up, we ended up playing this show and we, I mean, we, we, we play uh, 
just as well for crowds of nobody as we do when there's a hundred people in the room, you know, like, and there were still people there and, you know, I mean, it was a big place, so it looked empty, but we, you know, we, we played really, really well and um, really like, you know, sweated out. And, um, and then we got a bunch of shit after the show from some other bands, some other hardcore bands who thought that we were like, like these arrogant dicks. Cause you know, we had stickers that were sticking on the wall and like, I mean, it was just, it was wild. Um, in fact, there, if, if you, if you dig deep enough on YouTube, you can find a documentary about that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, um, yeah, we had, we had a, we had a filmmaker, uh, come with us on the road once and, uh, Jake Carlini is his name. Uh, you should look him up sometime. He, uh, he did a whole, uh, episode of his show, on touring with us and and he has a lot of footage of that show it's hilarious <laughs> but anyway that, so we played we you know, we practically played the nobody got a bunch of crap for it um and on the way home drove home five hours through the worst possible snowstorm we have ever been in uh, it was awful and we walked away with no money in our pocket no food in our bellies nobody probably who would remember our band you oh know um it's what it is, but yeah, I'm sure there's many more of those to come, and that's okay. <laughs> that's a good attitude to have. But uh, the way things seem to be going now with the latest release and everything, I'd say there won't be that many more to come. Oh, well, here's to hoping. Uh, you know, uh, take it easy is uh, is gonna is different for us. You know, I mean, we're we're a band that uh, you know tip, we typically don't do ballads. You know, usually our music is very uh, high energy, fast pace. Uh, you know, rock and roll. And, uh, it was really a, a, a nice thing for us to, uh, to kind of pull back a little bit, do a, uh, you know, a power ballad. And, and if anything, it, it's kind of like almost crossover, you know, there's, there's some pop elements, even some country elements to it. So my hope is that, you know, the song does help us draw, you know, a, a different kind of audience. I mean, maybe like, uh, more of an audience that does appreciate more of the musicianship side of things. And, um, you know, cause I mean, we, we love to party, you know, we're a bunch of rockers. I mean, we, we do the biker club scene and things like that. It's, it's nice to draw people that, you know, want to hear power ballads and things like that. So that's my, that's my hope. Mm-hmm. So one of the few, last few questions now, before we move on to the last few questions, that's a weird sentence. Um, <laughs> so I know you're playing a gig tonight and apart from being interviewed for podcasts what's your pre-show routine how do you get yourself motivated and ready for a show um well we you know <laughs> we like we like to have a couple beers you know we we like to you know dabble a little bit in the in the finer the finer arts of smoking <laughs> okay okay uh, <laughs> No, nah, man, you know, we, uh, we all, I mean, we're, we're always together. I mean, it, you know, at our shows, you can't keep us apart. You know, the, we're always, and, you know, none of us are, are wandering around and, you know, seeing the sights and wandering around the cities. Like we're always together doing everything. I think, you know, uh, our motivation just comes from each other. You know, uh, it's, it's the chemistry between, uh, you know, all of my bandmates that just is, is motivation enough. I mean, we, we just, we just get pumped experiencing another day with one another. So we don't necessarily have routines and things like that. You know, we just, like I said, you know, we're always hanging out, doing things together. Everybody's a part of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. And what I know you mentioned the, the EP what's on the cards for the rest of the year for you. 
Um, so we're, we're working on, um, you know, booking our fall tour at the moment, uh, right now for the summer, we're doing, uh, just some local and regional things. Uh, and just cause we want to be home to, to focus on recording this record. Uh, we will be releasing another single, um, probably in about six to seven weeks. Um, right after take it easy kind of, you know, uh, rides it out there for us. We're, we're going to follow it up with another single from this record. And, um, hopefully we can go the full length route for the fall and maybe that'll set us up for, you know, some major touring. Um, but you never know. I mean, uh, we're kind of weird about that stuff. Sometimes if we feel like, you know, Hey, this is the wrong time for a full length, you know, we'll, we'll do an EP and that's just, just as fine. You know, this is, this is the first time in a long time that we've done just a single. So yeah. So really just, you know, I want to, I want to put out the best record that I can. And so far it's shaping up to be that way. This is definitely the, my favorite material that we've ever put together and, uh, and just keep playing shows until I can't. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Now we'll, uh, we'll get onto the last three or four questions. So if there was any performer or artist from history, you could see in concert for one night only, who would it be? Uh, you know, I'm probably just going to say what everybody wants to probably like somebody like Paul McCartney. <laughs> right. you know, I, want, I want, I want to see him before I want to see him before he dies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing him yeah. myself. Yeah. Pretty epic. I, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big Beatles fan. Um, and I've never had the opportunity to see, you know, uh, or him or Ringo uh, and Ringo actually plays uh, in Verona, New York quite often. That's about like uh, four hours from where I am. He, uh, his band is always playing a casino up at that point oh. and I never go, but um, I would definitely like to see like somebody like Paul McCartney, you know, he's, I mean, it's, it's Paul McCartney, man, you know, exactly. The greatest you don't need a reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any artist or performer, who would it be? Uh, maybe John Resnick from the Boo Boo Dolls. Right. Right. Why, why so? Uh, I'd like to pick his brain about songwriting. I, th I think he's a brilliant songwriter, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this and I don't even care. I think that the last couple of years, every album that they've put out is trash. <laughs> <laughs> However, but I think that, uh, John has got so much good stuff in him. And I, th I think he's a brilliant songwriter. I think that he is a good example of commercialism, just kind of like not working out for him, you know, mm. maybe, maybe it is working out for him in the form of dollars, but I don't know. Like, I, I think that, um, Good, like Goo Dolls records up until uh, Gutterflower were all brilliant. Hmm. Um, I'd definitely like to pick his brain just about just about songwriting. You know, I'd like to know more about him as a person. I don't I don't think there is a lot out there about John Resnick, actually. No, no. He uh, he does a good job of keeping it, keeping it quiet. Yeah. And he's I mean, that guy was a devoted punk rocker, you know, before uh, before name came out um, on what was a boy named Goo. Uh, there are three albums before that. I mean, we're heavily punk, punk albums. You know, I mean, I think their bass player was the lead singer in those days. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm super into rock history. Yeah. And I, I love watching documentaries on like, you know, where these bands came from, what they did, what, what was the music scene like in the, you know, 1984, things like that, you know, Black Flag, all that shit. But um, I would definitely like to know more about like their roots in the Buffalo, New York punk rock scene. Yeah, that'd be very interesting, actually. Yeah. And the final one, if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Does it have to be my song or could it be any song? It can be any song at all. 
any song at all. Damn. Um, maybe Born to Be Wild. Steppenwolf. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love a good old fashioned rock and roll. Wasn't that in every like uh, '80s action movie though? I thought it was. Yeah, uh, probably actually was. <laughs> or was it bad? I don't. I don't know. Probably. Was. I don't know. It's a great song. It's fantastic. We. Yeah, we're yeah we we're playing that tonight actually. Every so often, like if we're doing a long set, like tonight we're playing for like three hours. Oof. Oh man. We typically do really long sets like that ever. We're like a thirty minute, forty five minute set kind of band most of the time, but occasionally, like when we do gigs on like holiday weekends and stuff like that, you know, a club might book us for like three hours, and that's when we kind of we'll bust out some covers and stuff. And uh, yeah, we're tonight we're gonna rip out that one. <laughs> Jeez, you must be exhausted after that long on stage. I am actually. <laughs> before before we uh, we do like a band uh, setup tonight, I'm actually I'm also doing uh, covers as well. Before I'm doing a set of covers beforehand, so and it's gonna be a long day. We we did one of these uh, last month too, and uh, and we do a couple of these a year. It's it's mostly just you know, like I said, local stuff. We never we never travel in long sets like this ever. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> but uh, listen, I've really enjoyed chatting with you now. Yeah, man, this was this. Uh, I I've, I've done a couple of podcasts in the past, uh, you know, week and a half, and this one is definitely my favorite conversation by far. Oh, thanks, thanks. I really appreciate that. And uh, good luck for the the gig tonight and the rest of the year. Thanks, Brian. Um, and for anybody else listening to, uh, you can uh, you can find anything about our band uh, at our main hub, which is the midnight revival band rocks. And if you go to our website, um, you'll find uh, uh, links to all of our social media platforms. Uh, we are everywhere. Um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, even, although we're still trying to figure that out, that one out, <laughs> but uh, take it easy right now. Streaming everywhere. Uh, Spotify, Apple music, Amazon, please check it out. Give us a like, subscribe to our page and uh, hopefully we'll see you at a show sooner rather than later.
when there's no breeze. Sounds you can't explain. Foreboding feelings of dread. Sheer horror. This is Haunting Abaddon, an original podcast from Epilid Media featuring stories of the paranormal, demonic possessions, poltergeists and hauntings, and all things that will scare the hell out of you. These things do more than go bump in the night. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I for one surely did. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Your five-star review will be read out on the show. And don't forget, you can now rate us on Spotify. You can find and follow us on all social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And don't forget to check out the website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here.